0: <laughs> once a year <laughs> good to see everybody this morning let's open our Bible to Luke 13 the title of this message this morning is repent or perish that's a hot one you don't hear too many people talk about repentance anymore You don't hear too many people talk about hell and the wrath of God and the judgment of God. They say they want to preach all positive messages. But if you're going to preach the whole counsel of God, you got to preach it all. You can't pick and choose what you're going to preach. You know, hell comes up in the topic and Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. But I know a lot of people that don't believe in that. They say, well, how could a loving God send a person to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. God has done everything he could by sending his only begotten son to die on the cross for your sins. They've been paid for in full. He's done everything he can to keep people out of hell. But people go to hell because they fail to accept the provision that God has made for them. To be saved, so whose fault is it? God giving you a way of escape, just like a Noah. I'm gonna get to Luke here in a minute. Maybe, maybe next week. <laughs> I'm just talking, right? I'm just saying. When you get behind the pulpit, things just be coming. You know, you know that things just be coming to you, man. So I'm just gonna be preaching it. Whatever comes, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be most say it because I've been in prayer about this message, and I and I. I know a lot of people personally don't preach on repentance because they're afraid they're going to offend people. But Jesus offended people, didn't he? There was always somebody mad at him because he told the truth. And sometimes people just don't want to hear the truth. Well, around here we preach it all. You know, I'm accountable for what I say and I'm accountable for what I don't say. So. I hope you not offended at that. When I stand before God, He's going to say, "Did you preach My Word, or did you try to please people?" No, I'm going to try to please the Lord, and let's let the chips fall as they may. It don't matter how many people are here, or how many people are watching on Facebook. It don't matter. I'm going to say the same thing if whether I'm preaching to a thousand. There were, Luke chapter 13, verse 1, there were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, you, he used the word you over and over, you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you are going to likewise perish. Are those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? But I'm telling you, he says, he keeps telling you, unless you repent, you're going to perish. Don't be worrying about other people, what they're doing now. You ain't got to give an account for them. You got to give an account for you because we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for yourself. The world has got the eyes on people. Sometimes you get your eyes on people. People will let you down, man. People people will disappoint you. But if your eyes is on Christ, he's not going to let you down. The Galileans who lived in Galilee, they were under the jurisdiction. They were not under the jurisdiction of Pilate, but of Herod. The Galileans Uh, They were very wicked people. But see, with God, there there is no big sin and there is no little sin. It's just sin, right? Some people say, oh, I'm not as bad as him. Well, you know, you might not be a liar, but you could be a fornicator or something else. Mm -hmm. There is no big sin with God and there's no little sin. God just look at it all as sin. He said, those people weren't no worse off because they did those things, You think they were worse off because they did such thing? He said, I tell you, no. See, God doesn't see as man sees. Because man only sees the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. Pilate mingled, who blood mingled with the sacrifice in Jerusalem. Pilate came suddenly upon the people and he killed them and their blood was mingled with the animal sacrifices. So it is likely that the Galileans, they, they, some believe that they uh, excited an a, a uproar in the temple and that Pilate just took them and just slaughtered them and mixed their blood with the sacrifices. Well, that could have happened. Pilate was not a good man. Pilate was not a good man. They had perhaps grants, some think that Pilate mixed the blood with the sacrifices, but some had transgressed the law. And he, were, and he said that some people were rebelling against Rome, so he said, I'm just going to slaughter them and mix their blood with sacrifices. Those killed by the towers, Salome may have been working for the Romans on an aqueduct there, in verse 4, but they were not worse sinners either. They came to him believing that these, were, that these men who had perished were especially wicked. They think that all these People that perished, they were especially wicked than anybody else. He told them that they were, as, they were as bad. He said, you guys just as bad as the Galileans are. For unless you repent, you're going to perish. Don't you worry about them. We must all repent. I tell Christians sometimes to repent, too. There's a lot of Christians. A lot of times we think about repentance as going toward the unbeliever, which comes to salvation. Yeah, he should repent and turn to Christ. But I know a lot of Christians ought to repent, walking around bitter. I know I know people right here in Tacoma have been bitter for 10 years. I've done funerals, man, where people, the family, half the family sit on this side of the church, and the other half the family, they sit on that side of the church. And they don't even talk. So when repentance means to change, it's not always talking about the unbeliever. Many times the believer, he messes up too. He sins too. And he needs to repent. We all need to repent. No matter what befalls us, we are still sinners. And one day we're going to die. And we don't want to have any unconfessed sin in our life. Judgment is going to come upon all people who have not received Christ. These people were wicked and they suffered. The righteous will be in heaven and the wicked will not. The point that Jesus makes is that this did not happen to them because they were worse sinners than anybody else. The bottom line, he's saying that everybody needs to repent. Repent means to change your mind, to change your direction. It repent not, It's not just feeling bad or feeling sorry for yourself or feeling sorry about the situation. If you haven't changed, then you have not repented. Peter repented. Judas say he repented, but he didn't. He was just sorry he got caught. It, anyone can die at any time. Jesus spoke of life. He spoke of of life's uncertainty. Life is very uncertain. Death is impartial. It can strike both the good. In the bed without warning. As we said about the rich fool, he said, Tonight your soul shall be required of you. There said, We all must repent as we suffer. Both those have not repented, they're they're gonna suffer spiritual separation from God. No one knows when their life is gonna end, so you want to walk as tight with Christ as possible. Don't know. Jesus tells the parable of verse 6. He tells the parable of a barren fig tree, which is symbolic of Israel. Israel had a lot of unbelief. Jesus came to his own, you would think, but they didn't receive him. He also spoke to this parable. A certain man, the man is God, had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why does it it use up the ground? But he said to him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And it And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. He spoke also of this parable concerning a fig tree, meaning Israel, the, as a visible it, it a witness to the world. The Jewish nation was like their fruitless, it was like a fruitless fig tree. It had an outward appearance of, of life, but it had no fruit at all. Jesus had ministered to the nation for three years, but there was still no fruit. God could have judged the nation immediately, but God gave Israel time to repent. And in AD 70, he allowed the Roman legions to destroy Jerusalem and the temple because of unbelief. The time of grace is going to someday end. The time of grace is going to someday end. It is, we're under God's grace right now. The time of opportunity is going to someday end. But this is an individual application, too. Because Israel didn't bear forth fruit, we don't want to be like that. We want to be fruitful, right? And if you're a Christian, you should be bearing forth fruit. Now, we should all take an examination, take inventory, and see are we growing in the things of Christ or not? Either you're going forward or backwards, but I don't think anyone is standing still. Are your desires more for the things of Christ than they are for the things of the world? That's how you can tell when a person is backsliding because the world becomes more appealing and draws them away from Christ. The world becomes more exciting and appealing. People love pleasures more than the love of, of God any, any, nothing wrong with pleasure, but those things become so much important. You get, to the, you get to the point where you don't want to go to church. You don't want to read. You don't want to pray. You don't want to have anything to do with God's people. And you should put the brakes on because you are headed backwards. Mm-hmm. You're going backwards. God wants his people to bear forth fruit. Now, If if you're a Christian, you're going to bear forth fruit. Now, I know we bear forth fruit at different maybe stages in life. We might not all be in the same place. But, you know, we are supposed to look at our lives and say, man, you know what? My desire for Christ and the things of Christ now is more stronger than it was a year ago or two years ago. I can see my faith growing. So check check out your life. They say, that's why I keep telling people you got to stay focused. Because whatever whatever you focus on, that is what you're going to follow. Be it things of the world or be it things of Christ. That's why the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what. So make sure you're bearing forth fruit. Jesus said he wants us to bear full fruit. Israel saw many miracles, but many of them didn't believe the Jewish nation. Verse 10, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, Jesus always looking for a need. Are you looking for a need? She's in the synagogue and nobody else paying no attention to this woman. But the Bible said Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her and he called her to himself and said to her, woman, which is respectful it's not like we say woman. You don't say that today. You know how we say it, woman. Well, you know, when you said it back in those days, it was, it was a sign of respect. Jesus said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmities. And he, and he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogues answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days in which men ought to work. Because they considered, they considered healing as being work on the Sabbath. They said, man, six days he could have done that. But he's going to do it on the Sabbath. There are six days in which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them. And not on the Sabbath day. They should have rejoiced that this woman was in her infirmity for 18 years. They should have rejoiced that this woman was healed. But they got upset because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Jesus always would break tradition. He could care less about tradition. So the Lord answered, verse 15, and said, hypocrite. He didn't mind calling a person a hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox, a donkey, from the stall and lead it away to water? He said, hey, you show mercy on your animals on the Sabbath, right? Why can't I show mercy on a person who has been healed, who has had this infirmity for 18 years? He said, he said, verse 16, so I not, not this woman be a daughter of Abraham, who, whom Satan has bound? Think of it for 18 years. Be loose for this bun on the Sabbath. She was a descendant of Abraham. She said, man, you guys should be rejoicing and giving God glory. But you became angry because a woman got healed on a day that you thought that she shouldn't have. What does it matter? You guys do it to your animals. You are nice and you show mercy to your animals but I can't show mercy to a person? He said hypocrite. I could just see him saying that. Hypocrite. He had a hard, hard time with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious rulers of the day, because they were hypocritical. They would portray one thing on the outside, but the inside, they were totally different. The word hypocrite means an actor, the one that plays a part. They were just playing a part. They were just acting. The bondage of the ruler of the synagogues was worse than of the woman. They were in bondage to their tradition. Their bondage was worse than the woman's bondage. Her bondage affected only her body, but his his bondage shackled, their, their bondage shackled their mind. They were set on their tradition. They were so blind from their tradition that they showed no mercy to the woman at all. Tradition blinds people. Tradition can't save people, but it will will blind people. Jesus said, you make the the word of God without effect because of your tradition. Tradition has done a lot of damage, a lot of damage. Jesus could have healed this woman on any other day of the week, but he chose. It's like in John 9. He healed that guy, John 9, on the Sabbath. He chose that day to do it. And he knew he was going to upset them people. But did he care? He cared more about the woman than he did a tradition about a Sabbath day. 18 years, painful years. He deliberately wanted to teach a lesson. He wanted to defend a woman and he wanted to rebuke the people in the synagogue. Jesus, Jesus reminded them that he, they treated the animals better than this poor woman. If God permits people to help a thirsty animal on the Sabbath day who is needy of water and God will permit, permit this woman to be healed on the Sabbath day. Any tradition that keeps us from God any tradition that keeps us from God is not from God. It is easy for us to use tradition as an excuse for not caring about others. They didn't care about this woman. They just cared about their tradition. Jesus said the woman was a daughter of Abraham, referring to her, her spiritual condition and not her physical birth. All the Jewish women present were, have been, they all was present was daughters of Abraham. He said, who Satan has bound. Not all sickness are bound by Satan. We can't, we can't blame Satan for all sickness, but some is. As with John 9, they said, well, who's sin? This man or his parents? Jesus said, neither one. This was done that the glory of God might be manifested in him. He allowed it. His adversaries were ashamed. shame. Luke 13, 17. They were ashamed and they should have been ashamed. The mask of hypocrisy came off. The only covering they had is taken away and their covering is now exposed. And Jesus say hypocrite. You condemn me for one action when you guys are doing the same thing by taking care of your animals. You're doing the same thing. So why are you condemning me? You take care of your cattle. Why are you you blaming me? Any healing should glorify God. The woman was healed. She glorified the Lord. She gave thanks to him. When God answers your prayer, you ever stop to think... You know they thank him for the for the answered prayer. Many people don't, you know. But if God answers your prayer, make sure that you give Him thanks for what He has done. The parable of the mustard seed, verse eighteen. He said. Then he said. Then he said, "What is the kingdom of God like?" And to what I. Compare it. It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and put it in a garden, and it grew and became a large tree. And the birds of the air nested in its branches. In the parable of the leaven, and again he said, to what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid it in the measures of meal until it became all leaven. Jesus said his kingdom is like the mustard seed. It It can start small. He can have a small beginning, but he can end up with tremendous growth. The reason why a Christian is able to reproduce himself in someone else. A Christian is able to reproduce himself. And that's why the gospel cannot be stopped, because I can tell someone the gospel and they can get saved and they can tell somebody else the gospel and they can get saved. And they go tell all their friends and they get saved. So the gospel keeps growing. It starts small like a mustard seed. The greatest things, the greatest things can happen small in small ways in small things like that mustard seed. The smallest of the, the tiniest of the seed. But it can grow into an enormous tree. Like a spoonful of yeast that makes the bread dough, it can make the dough double size when you put the yeast in there. But the kingdom of God is going to eventually go around the world, eventually. Through the Internet now, you know, uh, the gospel is being preached in countries that never, never entered. A lot of people on, on their cell phones are watching the gospel. You see, legal to preach the gospel in certain countries, but some people on their cell phone, they are watching it, and they're still getting saved. (laughs) Satan cannot stop the gospel. Now, he's going to try. And I tell pastors all the time, listen, just because you're in God's will, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be easy. You can expect opposition because Satan say he tracked the shepherd the sheep scatter, and if there's any way he can stop or discourage you, he's going to do that. You know, He's been trying to stop me for 40 years. He would have killed me by now if he could have, but he can't. I'm not his property. I know what kingdom I'm in, and it's not his kingdom. And you in one kingdom or the other, you in God's kingdom, or Satan's kingdom. There's no in between. A lot of people don't like that, but that's the truth. Now, you were in Satan's kingdom. Now, you're not, so Satan's upset, and he don't like you. He do not like me, because once he had you in his kingdom, and now he's lost you, you in God's kingdom, now he don't like you no more. Tough. That's right, man. Something can small so 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 small like a like a little old mustard seed can grow, can grow, can grow. My church is small. I've been here 40 years. People said, man, what's wrong with this church? I said, no, man, it don't matter how many people you got. It's the matter of the quality of people. I don't think it's a better church in Tacoma than right here. I, don't think, I, got, I think I got some of the most loving people in, the whole, in this whole city. Now, I know most pastors would say that. But, you know, they've seen me go through thick and thin. I've seen them go through thick and thin. And, you know, you, you develop relationships with people, you know, over the years. And, uh, you know, they, I just think it's a pleasure just to be here to pastor people who want to hear the word of God. God never told me to entertain folks. Never told me to do that. He said, preach the word. I'm not even responsible for the results. As old, the late J. Vernon McGee used to say, he was just an errand boy. Or well, McGee used to say, I'm just an errand boy. I just delivered a message. I said, you tell him, McGee. That <laughs> takes the pressure off of me. Well, anyway, let's go ahead. Verse 22. He went through the cities, villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Now, why was he going toward Jerusalem? He was going toward Jerusalem to die, and he knew it. And I watch a lot of these movies. They think that Jesus was so surprised when they put him on that cross. He just didn't have any control at all. No. This is boldness right here. This is courage. This is very courageous. He went toward Jerusalem. Why? Because he knew what was waiting for him in Jerusalem. He knew he was going to die on that cross. Did he go backwards? No. The Bible said, Luke, he went forward. But he went teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. He was teaching as he went. Then one said to him, Lord, there are few are saved. And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many I say to you will Seek to enter the, and will not be able. Many are trying to enter, you know, by another way other than the cross. is not going to be able to get in there. Jesus said, strive to enter through the straight gate. Jesus himself is the gate and he, he is the door to heaven. And there's no other way you can get in there. Jesus said he was the only way. Any other way people take is wrong. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth, not a way. He said, I am the way. Amen. So, any other way you take, you're going the wrong way. So, he's saying that the sinner must enter through the gate, the narrow gate. You know, the world going through the wide gate, the world going the easy way. But the crowd is not always right. And he said, This way will lead to destruction. It's much easier to go the world's way. It's much easier to follow the crowd, but the crowd is not always right. The scribes often discussed how many people would be saved. Somebody asked Jesus to give his opinion on the issue. But Jesus made the issue very very personal. The question is not how many will be saved, but whether or not you are saved. He said, unless you repent, you're going to perish. Let's get that settled first. Don't worry about everybody else. Then you can discuss how to help other people get saved, but you make sure you are. She said you're going to strive. That means the word means to agonize, just like a raster agonizing in an athletic game. You're going to just put all your power and your energy. Just like an athletic training for an event. You're going to strive. You're going to put all your, all your being in the things of God. So Jesus said, said, strive to enter, be diligent, be active, be honest. Make every effort to overcome sin in your life and to enter into heaven. He said, when the master of the house has risen up to shut the door, and you begin to stand outside, you don't want to be outside when the door shut. You're going to be outside and knock at the door and say, Lord, Open up to us and he will say, he will answer and say to you, I did not know you where you are from. That's going to be a sad day for a lot of people. I had a guy come to my church five years before he got saved. Five years when I was on Sixth Avenue. Five years, he said, and one day after the service, he said, man, he says, I've been coming here five years. I've heard altar calls. He said, but I, he said, I'm not a Christian. And I can admire that. He was, he was not. He said, I've heard the sermons. I've heard the altar calls, but I've never re- received Christ. And I said, would you like to receive Christ right now? He says, I sure would. And we prayed he received Christ right then. See, it's just because people go to church doesn't necessarily mean that they're saved. Satan goes to church, I mean, some churches, not here. <laughs> we ain't going to let him... We ain't going to let him come in here, right? We're going to kick him out of here. But Satan go to some churches and divide, you know. I don't know where that came from. It just. <laughs> anybody can face death at any time. He said many people are going to be on the outside and can't get in. The door is now open for God's grace. The time is right. That's why the Bible says when you hear the word of God, uh, don't harden your heart because today is a day of salvation. You don't know when your life is going to end. The day of mercy will end one day and death will come and you will be outside of heaven looking in and can't get in there. What he's saying? Receive Christ while you have the opportunity before it's too late. Just like with Genesis chapter 7, when, the, when God shut that door, Noah preached 120 years, asked people to repent, they wouldn't. One day the door was shut. And the Bible said God shut the door. No, it didn't shut the door. God shut the door. Death will, will come at an unexpected time and many people will, will not be able to get in. But they have had many opportunities. It is not that God refuses people, but that people refuses God. Or at least his, at least his way of salvation Oh, how can a loving God send people to hell? I, I hear people say, that makes me so upset. Say, oh. How can a loving God send people to hell? God don't send people to hell. God, the, words, the words of God, not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. God don't want nobody to go to hell. Christ will say no to all who have rejected the work of Christ on the cross. Because you're going to say, Then you will begin to save. Verse 26, that we ate and drank in your presence and we taught in the streets. Hey, man, we did good works. We thought the good works was going to save us. Uh, I don't think so. By grace are you saved, what? Through faith, not of yourselves, not of works, as any man should boast. Good works can't save you. They said we, a lot of are going to say, Jesus said, Not everybody say, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I didn't say that. I'm just telling you what the Bible tells you. Not everybody said, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus warned, even the Jewish nation, just because you are Jewish doesn't mean, it doesn't guarantee salvation. Many Gentiles will be there. Many religious, vast multitudes will be in heaven. Listening to Jesus teaching and sharing fellowship with his people are being with him, asking him to lead and guide your life. It is a vain thing to be in church and not be. A part of the body of Christ. You can be a church goer and still be lost. None of these things is going to help. Those who depend on good deeds, and religious activity. Hey, they say in verse twenty six. Hey, we ate and we drank in your presence. We did good stuff. But he said in verse twenty seven, I tell you, I I don't know you, but. He will say, I tell you, I did not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Jesus is not only the savior, but also he's going to be the final judge. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 28. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourself going to be thrust out. Wow. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. People who are going to be excluded from heaven. They will, he said, you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but you and yourself, you're going to be thrown out. Hmm. Picture of everlasting punishment. Bad place. They will come from the east and from the west and from the north and the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. In other words, there's going to be people from all over the world. Not only Jews, there's going to be Gentiles there too. They will sit in heaven in a place of peace and rest, in a place of safety. And indeed, will, the last will be first and the first will be last. That's going, to be, that's going to be a shocker. It's going to be a lot of surprises in heaven. The last going to be first and the first is going to be last. There's going to be a lot of people here, prominent famous people here on this earth might be last over yonder. Oh, but I had a big church. You might be last when you get over there. And those who no one notices could be princes in the kingdom of God. No one notices. The little guy, little lady, she's just quiet. She don't say much. But Jesus notices. Those who think they be first like the Pharisees going to find themselves last. But those who humble themselves and serve God in this life, you'll be first. Those influential people on this earth cannot get them into the, to the kingdom of God. It cannot get you in there. No matter how famous you are, no matter what kind of house you live in or what kind of car you drive, it cannot save you. Verse 31, on that very day, some Pharisees came and said to him, get out, depart from here, for for Herod want to kill you. It's, It's unknown whether the Pharisees mentioned here were generally concerned for Jesus' welfare or not. Some said he just wanted to scare him. The Pharisees wasn't, it's believed that the Pharisee here wasn't really interested in protecting Jesus from danger. They were trying to trap him. The Pharisees urged Jesus to leave because they wanted him to leave their region, leave their region and get him, get him out of their hair because he was just driving them crazy. Get out. They wanted him to leave their region because he was just, just a thorn in their side. He said to them, Go tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I will be perfected or resurrected. Hmm. My work will be finished and complete. Today and tomorrow, I'm working miracles for two days, and the third day I will be put to death. He compared Herod to a fox. Uh, a fox is a, like a, an animal that was not held in high esteem with the Jews at all. A fox. When you call a person a fox, he gives, uh, he gives like the character of Herod. It means that he was subtle. He was a, he's a crafty. He was a, a very weak leader. That's what he's saying. You go tell that fox he's low in character. He's conniving, he's cunning, just like a fox. He's weak, he's a very weak ruler. You go tell him. Nevertheless, I must journey today and tomorrow. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside Jerusalem. I must walk today and tomorrow, and that a prophet should not perish outside Jerusalem. In other words, I'm just going to continue to work the miracles and teach the word of God. I only have a short time. Then I'm going to die in Jerusalem. Therefore, I cannot depart. I got to go to Jerusalem. Not a hair of my head is going to fall to the ground till I get to Jerusalem. I got to go to Jerusalem, the place where a lot of prophets died in Jerusalem. I am to die. He said, I'm not alarmed about that fox over there. I'm not alarmed about his threats. I'm on, a, I'm on a course that I'm in control of. But Jesus followed a line of prophets who were executed in Jerusalem. That's why he said in verse 34 and 35, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, One who have killed the prophets and stoned those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you, your chickens together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you were not willing. You see, your house is left desolate, abandoned. And surely I say to you, you should should not see me again. You should see until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. God will abandon the nation until they responded to, to him as a, as a Messiah. They have the replacement theology. They say that the church has replaced Israel, which it hasn't. And some say God is done, is done with Israel, which he hasn't. He's not done with Israel. But God's word said the Jewish people, he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. His heart was grieved over their unbelief and their rebellion around him. He broke out in a lamentation. He broke out in tears. We'll get to that. It was a sob of anguish. It wasn't an expression of anger. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He He wasn't angry at him, but it was an expression of his compassion his heart was broken over the unbelief he said the hands i would like to gather you guys like a hand does this chick you know the hen would gather their chicks when they see their chicks in danger god desired the nation to be saved god desired the nation sadly the nation was not willing to be gathered god wanted to gather the nation but the nation was not willing to be gathered People were given many opportunities to repent and be saved, and they refused to heed his call. But there is a future for Israel. The time will come when they will recognize Jesus as a Messiah. They will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In the second coming, he's quoting Psalm 118, verse 26. He said, they will come. They will say one day they're going to realize that he's a Messiah. They're going to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. During his his earthly ministry, Jesus gave opportunity for people to believe the gospel, but they they preferred to go their own way. But God is so long suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Oh, the patience of God! Oh, the patience! says, oh, Lord, just give me patience. I want it right now. <laughs> the patience of God, How people are just, this world has gone crazy. Crazy. I've never seen anything like this. But God is patient. Not willing that any should perish. He's waiting for that last sinner to say yes to Christ. And the rapture will happen. He will come. When that is, I don't know. But I do know that if you're here today and you have not put your faith in Christ, I'm not asking you to come to this church. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm I'm not preaching a church. I'm preaching Christ. If you're here today and you have not admit that you're a sinner, which we all are, the Bible said we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. But the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you hear today, you have not done it, the Bible says, if you hear his word, hard not your heart, because the day is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised. Save yourself from this evil generation. Don't put it off. He's patient, he's waiting, and he's been waiting for you to come. Are you here today and have not put your faith in Christ? I don't want anybody to go to heaven and say, well, that preacher never gave an altar call. I didn't know. Well, I'm telling you right now, tomorrow is not promised. And if you don't have Christ, and if something happens to you, in a car accident or something, and you die, You go straight to hell. It sounds hard, but it's true. I'm trying to keep you from going there. Because hell wasn't even made for man. It was made for Satan and his angels. But people choose to go there because they don't want to do it God's way. Mm -hmm. Not God's fault. So we're going to pray. If you want Christ, I want you just to raise your hand and we will pray with you. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word today and we... Thank you, Lord, that we are able to come in here. Is there anyone here today that have not put the faith in Christ? Just raise your hand. We'll pray. Don't be embarrassed. I just want to give you an opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for these people. Lord, we thank you that. We are able to come this morning and hear your word. And, and Father, we just ask God that you would be glorified in our lives. We pray you'd open opportunity where we can share your love to a dying world. They don't know. They don't know how to get there. They don't know how to get to heaven. So I pray you would use each one of us so we can tell them. So we ask these things. In your mighty name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen.